0: About like my mom and what she had to deal with raising me, perhaps. I, I <laughs> but I'm not. I'm not sure that works. Um, um, the Book of Job is sort of the standard for talking about difficulty in life, and and <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, I. <laughs> 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 I was with Jess for two pregnancies. It didn't seem that tough. I. <laughs> i'm I'm gonna get beat up in the parking lot i'm <laughs> ross you got me I <laughs> he's gonna protect me, um, <laughs> <Not for> me. <laughs> um, <laughs> remember I'm making lunch today um <laughs> What the all right? So as we dive into Job, like talking about theodicy, actually is the word that would describe this. Theodicy is the area of of discussion that talks about why does God allow bad things to happen, right? And and Job is is sort of like the classic book of theodicy, right? Like like Job is 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 debated on and discussed and argued about, um, and specifically like like. Um, because it, it doesn't fit well anywhere. And the answers are clean sometimes, but they're not always satisfying. Everybody with me? I, let me put it this way. Has anybody ever had like a terrible thing happen, and it was it was the kind of hurt that hit you and just stuck with you for a long time, and just wouldn't go away? And and a lot of times I, I talk to folks, you know, being, being in the ministry, you talk to folks, and one of the most common questions I, I get is, why did God let this happen, or why did this happen to me, and and in the end, like, Job offers some answers, but they're not answers that anybody's ever satisfied with, right? They're hard answers. Um, we're going to start as we look at it as we would with any kind of scripture. Like, like the book of Job is a specific genre of literature, and you got to look at that. The problem is that the genre, like, is confused, right? It's partially a court case. Right? Like Job presents his case, and there's a whole lot of like ancient legal precedent that like fits into it, and that's why it's a long book, probably. Um, (laughs) It's also a theological treatise on suffering. Um, Here's where this gets funny. Um, There was this view in the ancient world that's really common today that um, if you do things for God, He should do things for you. Everybody with me? Like, God, if I'm going to show up and I'm going to do my offering, and I'm going to serve poor people, and I'm going to do these things, my life should be easy, right? I'm, I'm doing what, you know, I, I'm a good person, God. You should give me an easy road. And, and um, the, the book of Job, like, as a whole, is against this idea. It presents this idea, like, like, sets this out. You, you worship God because he's God, basically, not because he does nice things for you, or not because you're going to get something out of it. Um, I, I would point to my kids as an example of this. I love my children. I love my children whether they you know really deserve it or not, right? Like like there are days that Abby is a stinker. You guys have met her, right? I mean like is anybody doubting this basic premise? Like <laughs> there are days when she has temper tantrums in public or or um we were at a, at a rummage sale the other day and she actually threw her lemonade across the room. Like <laughs> um and I loved her anyway, right? Like, I, we love our kids whether they deserve it or not. Found Mother's Day again, see that? Um, <laughs> and, and this is the way, it, like, like, we do that because we love them, right? Like, because, they, because they're our children. We love God because he's God, um, not because he gives us stuff. And that's one of the basic ideas, these, this treatise in Job. Um, the other thing is that it's a dramatized lament, and we'll kind of get into that. The big themes, the book is about suffering. Um, the book is about the tension between the belief that God should be a certain way and the experience that we have? Anybody had experiences where you're like, you know what, God really shouldn't work this way? <laughs> really? And just like three of you? Uh, or is everybody else afraid of getting struck by lightning? Because um, there are days you stop and say, well, no, wait a minute, you know, this isn't, you know, children aren't supposed to get sick. The world's supposed to be easier than this. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. And, and um, obviously I mention it, but this tit-for-tat view of God. Like, I do things, he does things, right? Like, it's our contract. It's, it's not how God is. And actually, over and over again, God presents in the scripture that he's kind of offended by this perspective. You know, it's, it's not a tit-for-tat like I do and, and you worship me because I'm God. Um, but we'll get into that. Um, can you bump it forward? It's, I'm stuck. Um, the, um, the story, Job is an incredibly wealthy man. Okay, I'm not going to read through this part of the text because it's a lot of words. Um, Job is incredibly wealthy. He would be on Bill Gates' level in the modern world, all right? I mean, if there's, like, a comparison, Job is unbelievably wealthy. And he's got a huge family, which is a big deal in the ancient world. Um, he's also a good guy. Um, and by that, I mean, like, like God presents him as a righteous man, like, like pretty much one of the best in the world. And And we know this because, like, when the book begins... Um, There's this meeting in heaven. It talks about... um, I probably have a scripture verse for that, but I'm stuck at the moment. Um, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan was also amongst them. Uh, The Lord said to Satan, From where did you come? And then Satan answered the Lord, saying, From roaming on the earth and walking around on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on earth, a blameless and upright man, Fearing God and turning away from evil. Um, Job is so good, God takes a minute to brag about him. Okay? So, like, Job is a good guy. Um, He is the guy that doesn't deserve bad stuff to happen. Right? But we're going to hit pause here. If Job hadn't been brought up, would there have been any more to this story? Probably not. Right? So, like, one of the big difficulties we're going to encounter right out of the gate is... God points Job out and says, hey, have you considered my servant Job? Look at how great this guy is. To which the response is, then Satan answered the Lord, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But put forth your hand now and touch all that he has. He will surely curse you to your face. Then the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not put forth your hand on him. So Satan departed from the presence of the Lord. And from this point forward, everything he has is stolen. Like all of his possessions are stolen. And his children are all killed. They gather for a feast, and there's a big storm, and the house falls down and kills all his kids. Like all 12 of them or whatever. And then his house catches catches fire and burns down and and Job is like sitting in a pile of ashes where his house used to be. So now Job has gone from being like enormously blessed, wealthy, lots of kids, everything else, um, to not even having the house that he lives in. Right? And and Job responds by and then Job arose, tore his robe, which is something in the ancient world they would do for mourning. Um, and he shaved his head, which is another act of mourning. And he fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, naked I came in, came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. And the Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Through all of this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. So Job's response is, all of this stuff was nice, but God gave it to me. Can I really complain about the bad stuff when I get good stuff? Right? I mean, this is a pretty even-handed response, and it's not an easy response, right? I don't think I would have that kind of patience. Anybody with me? You know, I, I would definitely gripe a little longer. But Job's response is, you know what, God gave me all this stuff, it hurts, but. You know, and he mourned, he cried, but he said, you know what, God gave it to me, I'll take the bad and the good. Um, this prompts another conversation. And the and long story short, um, God allows Job's health to be taken. And, and so we come again, and Job is sitting in a pile of ashes that used to be his house, and he's got leprosy. Leprosy is a skin disease. We don't see it in this part of the world very much. Um, basically, your skin begins to rot, and you fall apart, and it's horrible and painful and slow. All right? And, and in the ancient world, it meant you were unclean. People wouldn't come near you. It was your responsibility if you had leprosy to walk off of the road and shout, I'm unclean, when people went by so they would know not to come near you and catch leprosy. You weren't allowed to live in town. You had to live in special colonies for lepers. Um, you weren't allowed to go to the temple anymore. You weren't allowed to. I mean, it was huge like because nobody wanted leprosy. I mean, that sort of makes sense, right? And so he's sitting there, and the only thing he has for comfort is this broken plate, and he's scratching at his sores, and he's not wearing clothes because he's covered in sores, he's scratching everywhere, right? And he's scratching himself with this broken plate because it's all he's got left in the world, that and his wife who told him to curse God and die. So like pretty much the valuable thing left in the world is a plate. Um <laughs> and, um, and he, he he's sitting there in the ashes and his friends come to to console him. They've all heard about him. Now it's funny the word that they use for friends here. Um um oops The word that they use for friends here, um, it it refers to, to something more than just friends. This would have been a group of men that had gathered together at one point and agreed by swearing an oath to each other that they would make certain that each of them was held accountable to each other and that they would make each other better men, right? Like, which would be a great thing to have in our culture. Like, these guys seriously said, if you fail or fall or whatever, I will help you get back up. If you um, are doing well, I'll support you. you know, where these guys had agreed to be like, like in, you know, in, in a cadre together to, to, to make each other better. And so these men came and they sat, and they sat quietly for three days because there's a Jewish custom. It's called um, sitting in Sheba. shiva, shiva. And what that would refer to is like you would sit quietly because it was considered the height of impoliteness to speak while someone was mourning until they had already spoken. And so they're sitting there. Job is dying. And they're all sitting around, and they're all silent for three days. And eventually, Job breaks the silence. He stands up, and he, he basically complains, right? Anybody would be in the same place, by the way? <laughs> I'm like, he complains. And he says, this isn't fair. I have done everything right. I, you know, God has like basically stepped on me at this point and it is not fair. And, and he, he has a very long speech. Job is incredibly long-winded. It is a 38 chapter book or 40 some odd chapter book for the fact that it is, and we're not going to go through the whole thing. Um, this sermon went through considerable editing last night. Um, he, he complains at length and finally his friends start trying to comfort him But while they're trying to comfort him, they're trying to encourage him to look at his life and say, well, maybe you have some sort of sin God is punishing you for. And if you fix that, God will stop squishing you. Okay? And they probably meant well out of the gate, but it gets out of hand really quick. And so they go from like, oh, man, Job, it's so hard. I can't believe your life is so tough. Maybe there's something that's wrong that you could fix. Or to them arguing, Job, you sinned. You know you sinned. Just confess it and get it over with. And Job, who just lost his family and everything he owns, and his health and his dying and everything else, is like, no, I've done nothing wrong. I do not deserve this. Um, and he, it turns into this huge debate. And one after another, his friends... Would you love to have friends like this? <laughs> one after another, his friends debate with him that he's somehow offended God, and that's why his life is, is broken. Has anybody ever felt that way? By the way, let me... I. There are days that I have sat there and said, "God, where did I do deserve this? Why did you do this to me?" Um, one of the basic messages of this book is sometimes God allows bad things to happen to us because we need to learn. But that's not the only reason bad things happen. Everybody with me? Um, I uh, I knew a, a young man. We had we had a very similar conversation. Um, I wouldn't tell him that he had sinned. His his mother had been driving home from visiting him. He was in rehab. His mother had been driving home and she was, was intoxicated and she killed a family of Amish folks. She hit their cart and killed them all. Um, and she went to prison. And um, I think before she went to prison, she overdosed and died. Like, it was awful. Like, when the whole story came down, it was one of the worst things, like, you know, great support and rehab, mom, kind of thing. Like, like um, and, and we were talking and he's like, why would God let that happen? Well... God didn't make her do these things, right? God allowed the consequences of her actions to play out, and ultimately, like, that is what happened, and she either learned from it or she didn't. And that's a hard answer, and I didn't say that at the time, but there's a reality. If I do something dumb, I can't blame God when consequences come on me, right? Is that fair? I mean, (laughs) at the end of the day, like, so sometimes God does allow bad things to happen to us because we're learning That is not always the reason bad things happen. In fact, Jesus corrects his disciples. They talk to a blind man, and they're standing there, and the blind guy's right there, and the disciples are like, is this guy blind because he sinned or because his parents sinned? (laughs) And Jesus is like, neither? Bunch of jerks? You know, like, what the heck? (laughs) Um, Um... The idea here is, like, Job defends himself, and he says, I'm being punished for nothing. I'm being crushed for nothing. And in reality, Job had not done anything. Um, Ultimately, Job begins to talk about court, and he demands a day in court. He says, if I'm wrong, I want my day to be heard, and I want a trial, and I want to be put up there in heaven to stand before God, to plead my case, because this isn't right. Anybody ever felt like that? I'm just asking. <laughs> um, and and back and forth, they argue about this. And Job presents two big ideas. And now listen to this. If you're going to learn anything today, these are the two things, okay? First, Job says, I'm going to call one witness to defend me. And that's going to be God himself. When I stand in heaven, God will be my witness that I'm not wrong. This is gutsy, Right? I mean, like, because you think about, like, God created everything. Like, he hung the stars in the sky and, like, laid the foundation for the world. I mean, like, everything that exists, God, like, spoke it into creation. For Job to have the kind of, like, I'm trying to think of a polite way to say it. <laughs> the, 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 what? Yeah, the guts or the gall or the, yeah, the tenacity. Like, for Job to step up and say, God is going to witness on my behalf. He's, he's convicted at this point. Like, he is right there saying, this is the case. And he's mad. Does he have a reason to be mad? Probably. Right? Um, he says, God will be my witness for my innocence. That's one. And the second thing he says is, and this is part of, like, they start arguing about, well, what about good men that die? Job says, when a good man dies, God rescues him. Right? God rescues him when a good man dies. Um, We're going to touch on a couple of verses here. uh, Did I I skip one? Nope. Yeah, the witness. Job talks about this witness thing. He says, uh, um, Even now, behold, my witness is in heaven and my advocate is on high. God's going to defend me. Everybody with me? Um, And then when he gets to this, he says, As for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will take his stand on earth. Even after my skin is destroyed, yet from my flesh I shall see God, whom I myself shall behold, and whom my eyes will see and not another. My heart faints within me. What Job is saying, right, because early on, Jews believed in the resurrection. They believed that one day every man, woman, and child who ever died would be resurrected. And that they would stand before God. And Job is talking about a redeemer. Mind you, this book was probably written several thousand years. It's one of the earliest Old Testament books. Like, absolutely one of the earliest. Probably put to paper before Genesis, like is what most scholars agree on. Like, like this was written down very, very early in Jewish history. Um, and, and Job is, you know, saying, my redeemer. Well, who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus, right? If you go back into our Christmas sermons, actually, this is one of the uh, Easter, one of, this is one of the Easter sermons we looked at. Um, Job is talking about Jesus, and what he's talking about is that God rescues those who are considered righteous. They're considered righteous. Ultimately, we learn in the New Testament we're righteous because we're in Christ. Because Jesus, I, I left up my cross actually for this sermon. Um, Jesus takes our punishment on Himself. Um, takes away all of our guilt and God can testify in heaven that we are righteous because we're forgiven, right? And we're redeemed by Jesus. Like when every man and woman and child who's in Christ um, passes, the Redeemer redeems them. Like because Jesus died for us. Um, but Job like presents us, he says, listen, A- I will be I will be saved in the end but I'll have my chance to plead my case then. Um, he, he gets done. This long debate. All of these guys have talked for hours and hours and hours. It takes hours and hours to read it. I can't imagine what it was like listening to these guys yell at each other. Finally, the youngest guy in the crowd, the guy who has said not a word, right, stands up, and his name is Elihu, and Elihu shuts everybody up, right? Um, have you ever heard that in an argument where one guy just, like, stands up and says the right things? And everybody shuts up because you're like, okay, (laughs) you win. Um, That's Elihu. And Elihu points fingers at everybody there and shuts them down. The big important things that Elihu tosses out, he says, Behold, let me tell you, you are not right for this, for God is greater than man. Why do you complain against him that he does not give an account of all of his doing? Indeed, God speaks once or twice, yet no one notices it. You're going to hit pause here. Um, This is the first half of of a two-part argument that he plays out. He says, you can demand God explain himself, but at the end of the day, he's God. Um, I'm going to put this into perspective. Abigail frequently asks me for things or to do things, and I say no. What's the question that follows? Why? Right? And sometimes the answer is... Because... (laughs) Because in reality, if I sit down and try to explain to her what's going on, she's not going to understand. Um, can I talk about our box? Um, we have a box, a jewelry box. Um, years ago, when before we had Abigail, Jess was pregnant, and we lost that baby. And we, were, we had told everybody we knew, right? Everybody. I had people asking me, like, a year later how the baby was. I mean, like, everybody knew. And then Jess lost this baby. We went for the ultrasound, and the heartbeat was not there. And so we were expecting to hear our baby's heartbeat, and it was not there. And it was, it was probably, I don't know, I can't think of a worse day I've ever had. You? No. It was, it was horrible. And we, we went through this whole grieving process, and it was really painful, and it was awful. And, and in the end, one of the things that we did that Christmas, we, were, we did the angels. You guys know the angels? And I talked about this in a sermon because it was right about that time that everything played out and we came back to the church. And I, I talked about it that Sunday. And that Sunday, when we were handing out angels, I dropped mine. This little glass angel. And I broke it. And Jess and I sat there and we looked at this little broken angel and we cried about it because we had lost our, our little angel, right? And we put this in a jewelry box and we keep it on our shelf because it's our angel, right? I mean, it, it, it makes sense to us. Abigail found the box which is locked. And she wants to open it. She wants to know what's in the box. Does it make any sense for me to try to explain this to her? Like, is there any way in the world a three-year-old is going to grasp this? Not at all. I could try, but in the end, it's not going to work. And she might have a partial perspective, but it's, it's just not going to work. Sometimes, and this is what Elihu is saying, sometimes God isn't going to explain stuff to us because we're just not going to understand. And it's not for us to know right now. Um, and I'm going to let you in on a horrible truth. And, and you can be mad at me if you want, right? Like, But this is the truth. If you know why bad things are happening to you, it won't make it not hurt. The reality is if you knew why, Bad things were happening. If you could step back and see the whole world, it would still be the case that you were in pain. We look for reasons because we think that if we can grasp a hold of something, it will make it not hurt. But grasping a hold of it isn't going to change our loss. The the secret to not feeling pain when you're feeling pain this it sucks. I'm, I'm pardon. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said it that way. It, it's it's feeling it and, and processing through it and being done. That's it. Like, I thought we would never stop hurting when we lost our baby. Ever. And, and I, it, it went away. It's not that it doesn't hurt at all. It's just that it's not that sting. you know? I, I lost a family member years ago, and it just destroyed us. Or me, personally, it was very hard. And, like, it took time, but, but it got better. The secret to pain is feeling that's one way or the other. Okay? Sometimes things happen, and that's just the way it is. And sometimes understanding it isn't for us. The same way as my daughter, she can't understand the broken angel. She's not going to. She will later. Ultimately, every hurt you experience right now will be revealed to you. You'll stand in heaven before God, and he'll lay things out, and everything will make sense. I heard a quote this week where somebody said, It doesn't make sense right now, but if you knew what God knows, you wouldn't ask for what you're asking for. Does that make sense? Um, Just tossing it out there. Um, I'm going to... Well, let's keep going. Um... The next thing that Elihu says, then his soul draws near to the pit and his life to those who bring death. If there is an angel as a mediator for him, one out of a thousand, to remind a man what is right for him, then to let him be gracious to him and say, deliver him from going down to the pit. I have found a ransom. What's our ransom? Jesus, right? Um... I have found a ransom. Let his flesh become fresher than in youth. Let him return to the days of his youthful vigor, and then he will pray to God, and he will accept him, then that he may see his face with joy, that he may restore his righteousness to man. Um, basically, what he's saying is, you may be crushed, but God has sent a Redeemer, and you will be redeemed. You may not see it now, but it's coming. You have to trust that. Um, in Christ, we all have a Redeemer. Um, in Christ, we're all, like, saved if we have faith in Christ. Like, if we confess Him, if we believe, if we follow Him, we're redeemed. And, and so, ultimately, Elihu says, you know what? It may be broken, it may be awful, but you're right, there is a Redeemer. And that's what you need to lean on. Um, ultimately, that's the com- comfort that the Scripture offers us, is that as bad as stuff gets, God fixes it in eternity. That in Christ were redeemed. Um, the book ends with God showing up. Okay? Now, I, I don't know. Job has demanded a court case, and then all of a sudden there's a huge wind, and the clouds come rolling in, and God starts talking. Right? How much bold talking do you think Job is doing at this point? <laughs> Do you you think Job is standing up and saying, hey, 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 you're my witness? Probably not, right? Job, like, has a great deal of sense and shuts up. He's done and actually God speaks and puts away any doubt as to what's the case then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge now gird up your loins like a man and I will ask and you will instruct me do you hear the sarcasm in this God who knows everything says okay now you're gonna explain the world to me let's get it going and God says where were you when i laid the foundation of the earth tell me if you have understanding who set its measurements since you know or who stretched out the line on it on what has its base has been sunk or who laid its cornerstone and actually god keeps going he's like tell me how to make a flower Tell me how to tame the ocean so it doesn't spread over all the earth. Tell me how to hang the stars in the sky. Tell me how to... (laughs) And he keeps going. And can Job answer any of these questions? No. Not at all. Um, Ultimately, what God is saying is, I'm God. I'm God. I'm bigger than you. I'm great. I've given the stuff I've given you. Um, Sometimes stuff's going to get taken away. You worship me because I'm God, not because of what I give you. I love my kids because they're my kids, not because of what they give me. I love my wife because she's my wife, not because of what she's given me. It's not the same. I'm trying to offer some perspective, just FYI. Um, Ultimately, we love God because he's God. And God can't explain everything to us, right? If God tried to explain to me how to hang the stars in the sky, I'm lost, right? Right? If he were to explain to me the astrophysics that brought the world into creation or whatever, I don't want to have that debate, <laughs> but like the mathematical concepts that played roles in the creation of the world because God like built everything according to a system, I'm lost, right? I'm not going to understand this because I'm not that smart. And even if I were that smart, I probably still wouldn't get it. There are lots of astrophysicists who don't get it. <laughs> in reality, God says, I, I can't explain it to you, buddy. I'm God, you worship me because I'm God, and you need to trust that that's the case. I say to Abby, you can't open the box. You just can't. And you're going to have to trust me on this. Sometimes I'm just going to say no. And you need to trust that I love you and have your best interest at heart. And you need to trust that I'm taking care of you. But that's just the way it is. It's not a nice answer, is it? What do we do with that? First off, mis- well, here are the major concepts. I'm going to play this out. How do you apply this? Because there's a lot of ideas, but ideas don't mean a whole lot when you're in the middle of hurting. Um, first off, misfortune doesn't mean that you're being squished by God. If bad things are happening to you or your life is rough, it's not because God hates you. Everybody with me? If anybody tells you it's because God hates you, they're wrong. And actually, the Bible's word for that is is, well, is that actually a commandment: don't take the name of the Lord in vain. A lot of people think that means, like, you know, swearing using God's name. It actually means if I stand up here and say, God, let your cat die because he's mad at you, I'm taking God's name and applying it to something that probably isn't true, which means I'm taking it in vain. Does that make sense? Like, God hates you because... The guys who stand around with the signs that say God hates you, right? Like they're on the news sometimes. Those guys are taking God's name in vain. They have no right to take God's name that way. But they're doing it, and that's that's offensive. Um... So, like, bad stuff doesn't happen necessarily in response to sin. It does happen, I'll say, because the world is broken, right? You were not made to get sick. Children were not made to die early. Um, War was not meant to happen. These things happen because there's sin in the world and it's broken, but not because you sin. Um, If you're looking for a reason, it's not always going to be the case. Does that make sense? Like... Sometimes there's no reason to find, and even if you find it, it's still going to hurt. Regardless of the situation that you are in, God will redeem you. No matter how lost or broken or messed up, God will rescue you. And so at the end of the day, you have hope. You have hope. Everyone you ever lost will live again, and they'll stand before God with you everything that's ever hurt you will fall into context and you'll understand it. One way or the other. You have hope if you have Christ. Um, It's not an easy answer. But it's not a really easy subject. We're going to close in prayer and and, and I'm going to finish with a blessing and a final thought. Um, um, And I'm actually, as a Mother's Day gift, I'm getting you out a little early so you can make your reservations on time. (laughs) <laughs> let's pray Heavenly Father um, I pray that you would be with us this morning help us to look to you in difficulty help help us to trust and have faith that you have our best in mind and in heart Lord that you love us and that you plan um, good things for us and can redeem any broken thing in Christ's holy name I pray Amen a final thought the least fair thing that ever happened in the whole world right Jesus, who is God, like God's son, um, who had never sinned, who had never done anything wrong, took punishment for us, right? It is the least fair thing that ever happened. Anybody ever get spanked for something your siblings did? (laughs) I'm waiting for Nathan to raise his hand. Um, (laughs) um, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Um, The reality is that when you get punished for somebody else's bad deed, it's not fair. Christ stood in the garden and he begged God, don't make me do this. But your will, not mine. I'll trust you. Ultimately, when we go through hardship, the answer is your will, not mine, God. I'll trust you. Don't make me go through this. But if it's what I need to do, it's what I need to do. Um, I'm going to close in a blessing. If you want to stand up and receive the blessing. May you go forth from this place. May you face challenges and difficulties in life and not trip over them, but trust in God to carry you through it and ultimately to redeem you in the end. In Christ's name, amen.